They say that in the case of mysterious deaths, the first 48 hours are critical. If investigators don't make a breakthrough in that time, the chances of resolving the case are greatly diminished. But what if you don't make a breakthrough in the first 48 hours or the first 48 days? What if you don't make a breakthrough in 48 years? Welcome to the mysterious case of Fred the Head and one of the UK's most baffling unsolved crimes. Episode 13, The Vanishing Man. I wanted to start this podcast by thinking about names, more specifically, first names, Christian names. Now, names come into and fall out of fashion. Let's take the name Matthew. Everyone knows a Matthew or a Matt, I know probably eight, and I imagine everyone listening to this podcast knows similar kind of number. But every Matthew I know is younger than me, and I was born in the 60s. In fact, when I think back to my time at Wirral Grammar School in the 70s, and there's a thousand kids there, I don't remember a single Matthew. Now, you might at this stage be thinking, what is he going on about? Well, I'm on the trail of Matthew James Jackson, and I thought there'd be a million of them, because, well, Matthew, there's loads of them, James as a middle name, there's loads of them. And Jackson is not exactly an uncommon surname. But in fact, the first name, Matthew, well, that's a 1970s and 80s phenomenon. In fact, it peaked in about 1984. But there were very, very few boys given the name Matthew in the 1960s, even fewer in the 50s, even fewer again in the 1940s, and by the time you get back to the 1930s, virtually no one. And that helped a great deal. So, who is Matthew James Jackson, and why are we so interested in him? Well, you might remember from the last podcast that there was a cutting that we found from the Burton Mail, dated just after the body was found, so spring 1971, about a man called Matthew James Jackson, who had gone missing from a house in Windshill. Let me read you that cutting. So the headline is Burton Man Missing, and it says, A 34-year-old Burton man has been reported missing from his home since 9.15 yesterday morning. He is Mr Matthew James Jackson of 126 Newton Road, Burton. Mr. Jackson is described as being six foot one inches tall, well built, with ginger receding hair and a small moustache. When last seen, he was wearing a brown corduroy jacket and dark trousers and was carrying a green shopping bag. He was also wearing a three quarter length car coat. That's all it says. Now, a couple of things. He's described as living at 126 Newton Road. That's in Windshill, not Burton. And that's the house. Zoe Kun and the Kun family had left at the end of 1969. The other thing is he definitely can't be Fred, but it is quite a coincidence that someone goes missing a couple of weeks after the body is found. And that's why I needed to track him down. So what do we know? 
Well, we know that that house, 126 Newton Road, was owned by the mill. It was rented out to people, but not to anyone, only to people working at the mill. And even then, not everyone who worked at the mill would qualify to live there. You'd need to be working on the 12-hour shift or fairly senior to qualify to live there. And it was a nice house. It was a very nice perk for someone to have after the Kun family had left. So I needed to find out who moved in after Frank, Valtraud and Zoe moved out. So where to start? Well, at least now I know three people who were working either in or around the mill at the time. Peter Marston, who's the son of the site director of the time, Joe Marston, Phil Smith, the company accountant who had put me in touch with Mike Argyle, and Mike Argyle, the maintenance and building guy that we spoke to in the last podcast. So I called each of them in turn. A couple mentioned that John Statham, the other guy that was mentioned who had died a few years ago, had lived there in around 1980, but no one could remember who had moved in straight after Frank Cunn. Peter Marston said, the property was so important to the mill that if there was no one there to live in it, they'd leave it unoccupied rather than rent it out to someone else. But clearly, someone did live there in 1971, and someone lived there who reported Matthew James Jackson missing from that address. Neither Peter, Phil or Mike remember a Matthew James Jackson ever working at the mill. So what was going on? Because that was definitely the address he'd gone missing from. Now the other person who might know about Matthew Jackson was a lady called Helen Jowett. Helen Jowett was Zoe Kun's school friend who you might remember from the last episode had mentioned to Zoe in a telephone call in 1971 that, inverted commas, a creepy guy had moved into their old house. So priority one for me was to find Helen. So how was I going to find Helen amongst the 60 odd million people in the UK? Armed with just a name from 50 years ago, it can sometimes be extremely difficult, especially with a woman who may well now have a different married name today than a name in 1971. But sometimes luck is just on your side. Sometimes you strike lucky on the first attempt and happily that proved to be the case this time. And I was able to make contact with Helen and we ended up having a very, very long conversation. She had lived in Winds Hill until about 1980, family still lives there, after which she'd moved away after she got married. I didn't record that conversation. Sometimes people aren't comfortable with that. But what I'll do is I'll summarize the key points she made. And there are about five, I think, which are pertinent to our investigation. Firstly, Helen remembers Zoe very well. People, I think, tend to. She was a bright child. She was slightly different to other children in that Zoe really only had the company of adults. She spent a lot of time with adults and Helen remembers that meant Zoe felt a little bit more grown up, maybe a bit more adventurous than the other kids. She remembers playing at the mill at the weekend and camping on the island. Now, importantly, the island they camped on is not the island Fred was found on. It's a smaller island. Very important for me to point that out. 
They had the run of the mill at the weekend. She remembers sliding down the chutes that the sacks of grain would normally have gone down during the week. She remembers Zoe and the family leaving in 1969 and it felt a bit sudden to Helen when that was announced. But Helen also remembers other people leaving for Australia at the time on the assisted package system that allowed emigration fairly cheaply to Australia. Many people took the opportunity to build a new life in Australia at that time. She also remembers the Kun family well, Val and Frank, as they were known. They were strict. They didn't like Zoe talking too much at the dinner table, she remembers, but they were hardworking, they were kind to Helen. She stayed over at the house a few times. The house was meticulous, tidy, very neatly arranged and organised. She remembers the call that Zoe made to her a few months after Zoe had left for Australia. She doesn't remember specifically using the words, a creepy guy has moved into your old house, but she could have done. Though her recollection now is that the house went through a period of unoccupancy after the cuns left, but she's not sure for how long. Thing is, Helen remembers there being a lot of creepy guys around Windsill at the time. And more than once, she herself was a victim of men exposing themselves to her when she was on her way to school. She reported that to the police, and she was asked to look through a book of local men who could be possibly the person who did it. And she remembers that book had a lot of men in it. We did go on to talk about some of the people that she knew around the area who were, let's say, suspect. Which is useful for me, but I won't share those names because at the moment there's absolutely nothing to tie them to the investigation. But knowing who they were, well that is useful. She didn't, by the way, remember anyone by the name of Matthew James Jackson. So that was the conversation with Helen Jowett. It was useful, as it gave me a lot of background information that I think one day might be very important. But I'll be honest, part of me was hoping that she was about to tell me who exactly was the creepy guy that moved into 126 Newton Road. But as we've come to appreciate throughout this podcast, it's never that easy. Having found Helen so straightforwardly, the obvious next question was, could I find Matthew Jackson? I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that Matthews were much rarer the earlier the birth date. And the Matthew James Jackson mentioned in the newspaper article was 34 in 1971. So that would give him a birth date of either 1936 or 1937. And there were no Matthews born in the 1930s, or very few. So that should be easy, shouldn't it? I use Ancestry.com for my births, marriages and deaths searches, but I do check others. And a big shout out to Philip Booth, who's a big supporter of the podcast, uh, for his support, because he sometimes has a look through his Find My Past account on my behalf. So I'm grateful to him for that. I also use a free database called FreeBMD, which is uh, quite useful as well. So I was looking primarily, of course, for Matthew James Jackson. 
And there was one born in 1984, that's not much use to us. There was one born in 1968, that's probably not the right person. But I did find one, born on the 13th of May 1936, and that would fit perfectly with our missing man. He would have been 34 in the early part of 1971. Problem was, he was in Southampton. And by the way, there's that weird South Coast coincidence occurring again. But no reason to link him to Burton. It was in fact the death certificate that I found and it said that he had died in August 1987 in Southampton. So he's potentially our man, but it's never quite as simple as that. And just searching for Matthew James Jackson might lead me to miss someone because quite often on birth certificates the initial for the middle name is given so I needed to check for people also who were called Matthew J Jackson and I focused my attention on the dates between 1930 and 1940 as a birth date just to focus down on this individual that we're looking for with births, you don't get the birth date, you get the registered date, and that's normally a quarter. So they have four quarters in the year, and the person would be registered in one of those four quarters. But it gives an approximation for the birth date. There were three Matthew J. Jacksons born in the decade 1930 to 1939. One was registered in April 1939 in Sunderland, one was registered in July 1936 in Portsmouth. Now I think that is the Matthew James Jackson we found the death certificate for. And interestingly, there was one registered in June 1937 in Kells in Ireland, County Meath. That age also works. So we essentially have two people that Matthew James Jackson could possibly have been. One born in Portsmouth, died in Southampton, stayed on the south coast it looks like, and one from Ireland, born in June 1937. So I now need to focus my attention on those two individuals and see what we can find. One other record caught my eye. There's a marriage in 1958 in a place called Spilsby in Lincolnshire. Now, Spilsby's near Skegness on the east coast of England. In 1958, a man called Matthew J. Jackson marries a lady with the maiden name Tirabassi. Now, Tirabassi is an unusual name in the UK. It's an Italian surname. Spilsby, in Lincolnshire, is a long way from Portsmouth, and it's a long way from Ireland, but it's the only Matthew J. Jackson getting married anywhere in that decade. And for the two people we're interested in, they would be 21 or 22 at the time of that marriage. That feels about right. So Mr. Abassi, whose first name was Velia, became Velia Jackson. Velia Jackson is still alive. She's 91. As far as I can find out, she still lives near Skegness and I have a telephone number. And this leads me to something of a moral dilemma. We are dealing with real people. She's now 91. Was it reasonable for me to call her 
and potentially worry her about something that happened 50 years ago that she was probably not connected to. After all, I know Matthew Jackson cannot be Fred. The man she married may be completely unconnected with the whole case. And the explanation of the case is long and troubling for people to hear. The kind of thing that might easily upset someone. So do I do that to a 91 year old? The other side of that coin, of course, is that with so few fragments of evidence to go on, can I really afford to let anyone slip that might be critical? I knew that I wasn't gonna rest until I had spoken to Velia, but I would have to be extremely sensitive about how I approach this. And the prospect of calling a complete stranger and explaining that I'm investigating a 50-year-old murder, would they mind talking to me about it, is so outside my comfort zone still. I can always think of a thousand reasons not to do it. And remember, please, this is all new to me. I've never done this in my career before. It's not a comfortable place to be. But for the last few months, I've had to do it a lot. It never gets any easier. But if I didn't want to talk to people who were in their 70s or 80s or 90s, I'd pick the wrong case. If someone dies in 1969 or 70, everyone who was around at the time, everyone who may have an involvement in the case is in their 70s or 80s or 90s. So, with a bit more than usual trepidation, I picked the phone up. Turns out, I needn't have worried. She was amazing and may well have given us a very, very important development. Thanks very much for listening. And it's great to see the community growing in the way that it has. I think Neil DeVille's excellent Facebook page, Who is Fred the Head, is up to around 500 people now. That's amazing. And I know I'm getting a lot of feedback from people all over the world about the podcast. It is truly stunning, really, to see how the number of people who know about this case now and are interested in the case, how that's exploded, really, over the last few months. And I'm also very interested to get your theories and your questions about the case. And I've received some very interesting ideas sent through to me by email or through Facebook. So if you do want to get in contact with me, there are two principal ways of doing that. Either send me a messenger message through Facebook, and my Facebook's there for everyone to see. And if it's about Fred, you're going to get a pretty rapid reply. But also, you can send me an email. And the best email address to use is fredtheheadpodcast at gmail.com. Couldn't really be easier. It's fredtheheadpodcast at gmail.com. And I very much look forward to receiving your thoughts. Back to the story. So I'm about to call Velia Jackson, a 91-year-old living in Skegness, who may have been married to Matthew James Jackson, who we're interested in because we think he may have lived in 126 Newton Road, Winds Hill, back in 1971, and then vanished. This is that call. Hello? Hello, can I speak to Velia Jackson, please? Speaking. Uh, Velia, uh, my name's Ken Davis. Uh, you won't know me, and I hope you don't mind me calling you. It's something I just wondered if I could uh, have a quick conversation with you. 
What's all about? Well, let me explain. I'm investigating something that happened in Burton 50 years ago, in 1971, which may have involved a man called Matthew Jackson. Matthew Jackson? Yeah. Well, that was my ex-husband, didn't it? He, he, he died with a brain some time ago. I understand so, and it might not be the same Matthew Jackson, but it, it is it's something I've been working on for two years, and it's an incredibly unusual mystery that I want to just have a very brief conversation with you about, if I may. Yeah, what's, what's going on anyway? What's well, all about? Let me explain. In 1971, yeah. the body of a man was found uh, in near Burton in the Midlands. Uh, he has never been identified and he's never been claimed by anyone. And he's, it's still a mystery. And I've been working on this case for two years, trying to identify who this person was so we could reunite him with his family. Uh, now, the, the situation is this. The reason why I called you is I saw you were married to a man called Matthew Jackson. Matthew Jackson, yeah. The reason I ask that, or the reason I contacted you, is that Matthew Jackson lived, a person called Matthew Jackson, lived quite close to where this happened. In a Skegness? No. Nowhere near Skegness. In oh, um down in London, isn't there? Because he was in the army. May I ask where, what part of England was Matthew from? Where did he from? Skegness. He grew up and lived in Skegness all his life? Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was a Skegness fellow, yeah. Well, it may well be that this is a different Matthew Jackson and therefore I do apologise for unnecessarily troubling you. Oh, it's alright. Well, I, I, I'm grateful. Just that there aren't very many Matthew Jacksons at that time, Matthew's an uncommon name in, in the born in the 1930s. Yeah, he was a nasty, nasty fella. Was he? Oh yeah, he used to rape me every bloody day. He used to come home from the army. He used to be in the army and then he was discharged. He, he's done something wrong. He, oh, he was a hell of a dog. Anyway, he left uh, 57 years ago now. Well, more than that, 58 years ago. Because the baby was one year old, he gave me two baby and he vanished. Velia, I'm sorry to, to raise oh, this. Oh, it's all right. So if someone told me he died with a brain hemorrhage, I said, that's it. Really one, Matthew Neil. But that's interesting, Velia, because there's a possibility that Matthew Jackson may have been involved with the death of this person. The person who we found was not Matthew. He was found close to where Matthew, I think, may have been living. Oh. Do you remember Matthew's date of birth? Uh, um, Matthew's date of birth? Oh, God. Yes, it's in, um, what do you call it? In, um, you know, the statement I have to make, I think. Ah. Uh -huh. Oh, dear. Oh, like, I've got it there, but I don't know, I don't know. Was he was he older than was he older than you? No. No, 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 he was younger than me though. He, he was, was a couple of years younger. I'm ninety one by the way. I know, and it's remarkable. I think he was what, 80, 88, 80, 85, something like that. So he was a few years younger than you? 
It was younger than me, yeah, it was younger. I think it was five years younger than me, I think. And you, therefore, would have been born in 1930, so... He would have been. I am. Yeah, I was thirty. Yeah. yeah, so he was born nineteen, maybe nineteen thirty-six or nineteen thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. What well, he wasn't Irish, was he? No, he was born in Skegness, I think. Okay. Oh, he was born in Skegness. They were all Lincolnshire, you know. Okay, that's interesting. And you had two children, and then he left. He went. Oh yeah, he vanished though. He vanished, even in the police they couldn't find him. Really? He vanished. I never find out whether he died. Someone had told me he died with a brain hemorrhage. Do you know when that was? Uh, oh, four, five, about six, seven years ago. So in 2014 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I think he died in, um, oh, what do you call it? somewhere outside of but I don't know where. Okay, but so, certainly still in Lincolnshire? Yeah. Okay, okay, that's interesting. So he completely vanished, and this was would have been when? About what year? Could you remember? What year? What year he vanished? What year he vanished? Yeah. The baby was one year old, because I had two boys. Yeah. And the other one, he was three. Uh-huh. Marino was three. He was, no, Marino. Yeah, Marino was three. And Giuliano was one year old. He was born 1961, uh, Giuliano. So, how much is that? Well, that would mean that he that uh, Matthew disappeared in 1962. That's right, yeah. Okay, that's very useful. Yeah. And you've no idea where he went to? No, he just vanished though. As I say, even the police, they couldn't find him. But uh, I don't know where he went or what's happened. Uh, only someone told me he died with a brain hemorrhage. And okay. I went over and put a little flag out. It was a nasty, nasty, nasty piece of Okay. Very nasty though. He gave me hell. I'm sorry. He gave me the baby and he said he vanished. And I never trust another, another bugger ever since. And well, I'm 91 and a half. Well, Valia, I'm, I am sorry to hear that part of the story. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Do you remember what Matthew's middle name was? Matthew? Oh, there were two, two names, isn't there? Yeah. Matthew James Jackson. I had to go to Bloody Lincoln to get the divorce. I remember the, what they call it, the lawyer said, Mrs. Jackson. William Jackson, how do you put it up with all this? Because it was a hell. He gave me hell with it. Well, I'm sorry. I am very sorry I'm to hear that. Yeah, I mean the hell, but God is good. You see, I've got faith in him. He's given you a son that looks after you. That That's a blessing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could I, can I ask, where where did you meet Matthew? In Skegness. You're from Italian background, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I'm Italian, yes. I come in in 1954. I've been in Skegness 67 years. And so you met him in Skegness, and, well, the rest, oh, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I, you know, I put, I put myself somewhere else that day. Oh, I'm well, sorry. As I say, he gave me to a baby with rapes. He was right. every day, you know, he used to come home from the army, like, he used to... Sit down and make, you know, make... I am I sorry. 
Yeah, I don't want, and I don't want to put you through that. It's absolutely wrong of me to do that. All I really wanted to know is whether the Matthew James Jackson I'm looking for. Where do you Where do you come from, anyway? My well, I live in Derby. In, Derby. Yeah, I live in Derby, and I got involved in this because I lived very close to where this body was found. And I've had to find people all over the world in relation to this case in yeah. Australia because if we don't solve this this case of who this person is in the next couple of years, everyone who was around at the time will have been gone. And so we, the whole community in that area of Burton wants to solve this case because this person was murdered. Yeah. And, and they've been forgotten about. And for the last two years, lots of people here have been trying to identify who this person is. Oh, I see, yeah. And so we can bury him properly, we can tell the family who he was. It was not Matthew, but it's very interesting that you describe Matthew in the way you have, because this may have been a sex crime. You're all right, I don't, yeah, and anything I can, you know, do with it, you know, for, for help, I don't know what you do with it, but... Well, we try, we try, and we try and solve it, and uh, slowly but surely, we're definitely getting closer to what happened. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of something out and see what's what's new, and then I'll I'll give you a ring and, and let you know. Any anything that that you you remember about Matthew would be would be relevant. Yeah. It, again, it might not be him, but given what you've said to me, it's making me think that it might well be him. <laughs> Well, well, 50, 57, 58 years, he just vanished, just vanished. Did he have any family outside Lincolnshire? Wider than... No. Okay. No, I don't think so. All his family were, were in Skegness, were they? Yeah, he, he, I think he wasn't born in the Skegness, no. I'm sure he wasn't born in here. Okay. Because they've been in the Lincolnshire, you know, the family for a few years. Hmm. I think they're really Lincolnshire people. Anyway, I'll I'll sort of something out. See what's what's in you anyway. Well, Valia, I'll have a look on the paper because I keep everything me. <laughs> well, thank you, Valia, and I know this must have been an extremely strange conversation, and I'm. Well, it's all, it's all right, you know. If 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 you can use it. Thank you, Valia. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, okay, bye. Bye-bye, Velia. Bye-bye. Bless you. Bye-bye. And so that was my call with Velia. But not quite. I was feeling pretty pleased with myself after that call. I felt there was a pretty good chance that the Matthew James Jackson that she had been married to was the same Matthew James Jackson I was looking for. But about an hour later, something dawned on me. I realised I was still very much an amateur at this because I hadn't asked her the most obvious question that could prove whether those two Matthew James Jacksons were the same person. I had a full description of him from the Burton Mail. Six foot one, well built, ginger hair, moustache. I hadn't thought for a moment to ask her what her Matthew James Jackson looked like. And that was a pretty idiotic thing to do. Because if her Matthew James Jackson was small with dark hair, it wasn't him. So I rang her again, praying she would pick up.
she did. Hello, Velia. It's Ken Davis again here. We spoke about an hour ago. Oh, yeah. Velia, I hope you don't mind. A question occurred to me that I should have asked you and I forgot to ask you. I apologise. Do you mind if I ask you now? Yeah, what is it? It's only... Could you describe Matthew to me? I have I've, I have an idea of what the person who was in Burton looked like and it would be useful for me to know what your recollection of what Matthew looked like was. What it looks like? Yeah, how... He was, was taller than me. So how tall do you think? Um, six foot, more yeah. than that. Okay. What colour hair did he have? The, the ginger, I think. Ginger. And was he a well-built man or was he a, was he a thin man? Pardon? Was he, was he muscular, well-built man or was he thin? Oh, no, it was mas mas masculine he was talking about. Did he have a moustache? Yeah. I think we're talking about the same man. Well, I hope so. Well, the, the description that was given when Matthew James Jackson went missing from Burton was yeah. that he was six foot one, he was ginger. That's right. And he was strongly built. That's the one. I think it's the same man, Felia. Yeah. Yes, you've got the same man, look, yeah. All I wanted to do was check that description, but that yeah. description matches. It's a matches, yeah. So you go where you want it then? Well, it's a big Almost. it's it's a big step forward and I'm extremely grateful. Yeah. Thank you, Velia. You're welcome, Ken. I promise you I will keep you informed. Oh bless you. Thank you so much. No, th thank you. I really do appreciate your time today. Okay. Please, please do not hesitate. I would be very, very interested in anything we can find out about him. Yeah, I'm going to have a look all the tape because I never took anything away. I'm very pleased you haven't, Velia. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye again. Bye-bye. Well, firstly, what an amazing woman. 91 years of age, sharp as a tack, all her faculties, and incredibly generous with her time and with the information that she shared with me, a complete stranger until two hours ago. Speaking with Elia, one of the things that struck me throughout these podcasts was how disgracefully women have been treated again and again throughout this story. This must be the third man involved in this case who was abusive, violent, ultimately abandoning their family. That's been one of the most shocking aspects of this whole case for me. But I think we should recap now exactly what Velia has told us and exactly where that leaves us in relation to the investigation. I think we know beyond a reasonable doubt that the Matthew James Jackson living in 126 Newton Road, Winds Hill was the same Matthew James Jackson who was married to Velia Tirabassi and then subjected her to a brutal and violent marriage. And remember, there are very, very few Matthew Jacksons around the UK at that time. And he has the same age, he has the same description, and the same habit of vanishing. And he was a violent man. He was a sexual predator, he was a rapist. He'd been in jail, he'd been discharged from the army. 
What was he doing in Winds Hill? What was he doing vanishing from the scene of a crime in 1971? And what was he doing living in 126 Newton Road? How did that come about? Who was he living with? Now, there are a couple of oddities though. I'm not sure that this Matthew James Jackson is either of the Matthew Jacksons we found earlier on in this podcast. And if it isn't, why can't I find him on the public record? Why can't I find a death certificate for him? There's a couple of other flies in the ointment as well. That cutting from the Burton Mail that describes Matthew James Jackson going missing. There's a couple of things about that. Firstly, it strikes me as a police report. It's like an all points bulletin description of a wanted man, not the description of a man a family are looking for. I think it's a police description. And if so, why were the police looking for him? Secondly, I've never established exactly to the day when that was published in the Burton Mail, and I really need to. A lot hinges on the exact date of publication of that report. So, I've got some homework to do, and hopefully I'll be able to answer some of those questions in the next podcast. But until then, have a good one. The Mysterious Case of Fred the Head is a GSE Media production. Written, produced and narrated by myself, Ken Davis.